0: brad do you know what today is don't answer today is the one day in north american sports where none of the four major league leagues have a game scheduled that weird day in the summer after the baseball all-star game where sports center must rely completely on conjecture and random top 10 lists except this year due to covid wreaking havoc on the schedule and now there's an nba playoff game tonight seems like a perfect day to dive into and talk about sports I mourn the loss by the Three Lions on Sunday to the smarmy Italians, but give credit where credit is due. They controlled the game and closed it out. That's what winners do. But where do we find winners to help losers close out games? Let me peer into my crystal ball. Mmm. Yes. I see it now. Look for those who have done it before. Those that have a trophy case full of accolades. Maybe someone... Someone who is... 38. 38 years old? What the hell? And a full cap hit? Diaz meal! You know what? We don't know what's gonna happen. The age-defying 43-year-old Tom Brady led the formless hapless Bucks to their second Super Bowl championship, and I don't care how old he is or how much he costs, he won. But what kind of armchair GMs would we be if we didn't try to put our measly brains together and predict what's gonna happen? So we'll turn to the crystal ball and break down what's coming our way. But first, Brad. Did you watch any of the MLB All-Star Game festivities?
1: Vladdy! 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 He he hit home run.
0: Yeah, no, All-Star Game MVP. Good way to announce himself to the scene, as I I don't actually believe most of the league knows who he truly is, but hey, he had a good game. He's a fucking
1: legend already. 22 years old. <laughs> legend! You know, those guys, that team, this Blue Jay team, is going to win a World Series. Guaranteed the four starters in the all-star game this year, uh they are on the right track. Get some pitching, they got the bats, put it all together. Bada bing, bada boom, boom. Yes. Oh, yeah. And and Stephen A. Smith, he's a racist.
0: <laughs> I for a guy like Stephen A. Smith who puts his foot in his mouth relatively often, I'm I'm not surprised that he eventually stumbled on something, something like Otani, but um, that you know, what? Otani is oh, like he, he, Babe Ruth. He, he, <laughs> it's Babe Ruth. He's a, he's <laughs> our Bo Jackson. Oh, but he he's better than that because he's pitching. He started the game and he batted first. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He hits dingers.
1: He hits he's dingers the- like you have. You like you have hot takes on this podcast. That's right. Amazing, yeah.
0: amazing hot dingers and takes. Yeah, I'm
1: really I'm really excited about your Duncan Keith take there, pal.
0: Yeah, we'll see how it goes, but no, um, yeah, no, uh, good thing. I didn't really watch much of the game. Also, I, I do believe all-star games, regardless of the sport are pretty much trash, but I did catch the home run derby and I do like that because that's just stupid long ball antics and I enjoy that. So everybody loves the long ball. Absolutely. So, you if, but I will say, though, too, for my fantasy baseball team, considering I had the two guys in the final, my fantasy baseball team sucks. It doesn't mean anything if they can hit dingers in a home run competition. But <laughs> but I digress. OK, so, what an interesting week. eh? Um, yeah, In
1: in the world of hockey, what an interesting week.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of things that took place. Obviously, I would say turn to the experts to get an expert opinion on it. But, you know, um, I, I think the one thing that I was kind of, you know, maybe a little bit disappointed to see, but, you know, it's good for him to ride off into the sunset. But Peke Rani has finally called it a career and, you know, a uh, phenomenal predator, good for him. And I, it's unfortunately that they just never quite closed the gap on that. So I, I do feel for him. He's a he's, He should be a Hall of Fame goaltender in my opinion, but we'll see.
1: For the listener who might not be, you know, educated on the hockey. Uh, He is a a Nashville predator, not a sexual predator. He
0: is a (laughs) hockey player. Yes, he is. I would. Yeah. Have you, you've not been to Nashville. That's correct, right? Nope. Only the sandwich. All right. I, I would love to go to a game there. That arena. I haven't been there. I well, I've been to Nashville. I haven't been to a game, but that arena being in the middle of the, of Broadway in Nashville looks phenomenal. And I'm sure they have a great and we've seen the history of them having a great time out there. So so anyway, it's good for Pecorine, but that's not really why we're here. Oh, we're here for
1: multiple reasons. It it was like, if we want to just kind of break down the week in the National Hockey League. First of all, this is episode 32. Uh, We are branding it Hockey Chirps uh, with those Canadian lads uh, working on some cool branding that uh, we've created. Uh, So good times on that. Uh, But I don't
0: uh, don't think we get to declare if it's cool or not. Oh, yeah. It's (laughs) it's
1: our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Fair enough. Uh, So... Big week. Pierre Maguire leaving NBC, and now he's the uh, vice president of player development for the Ottawa Senators. Good for him getting a job in uh, in the National Hockey League again. Uh, not really the biggest fan of Pierre, but uh, he uh, he took it uh, took it home. He got a job, and then uh, the news broke uh, just the other day. Uh, Mister uh, Duncan Keith, uh, uh, two time Norris Trophy winner, three time Stanley Cup champion. Uh, Multiple time All Star, two time Olympic champion, blah, 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 blah. He is uh, a very good hockey player and 37 years old, turning 38, I believe, on Friday. uh, Became a member of the Edmonton Oilers. And then, uh, and we will touch on that, obviously, as this is a a predominantly uh, Edmonton Oilers focused uh, segment of those Canadian lads, because we are obviously uh, expert and Analysts for the Edmonton Oilers hockey club uh, in the city of Edmonton, and we have opinions, and uh, uh, apparently so do a lot of other people, uh, especially on the Twitter sphere. And then uh, the big news broke yesterday, which was actually effing shocking: was the Parise Suter buyouts. Not only does it get them some cap space next year, they're burned. I don't know how Minnesota has a team in the next four years when they get burnt for $14 million of dead cap space. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was the big news in the National Hockey League. Obviously, the expansion draft is coming up, and uh, uh, we want to talk Duncan. We want to talk draft. We want to talk Oilers trade uh, signings, Larson, the whole bit tonight. So Jeff, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for this one. I've been pumped all week. I've been creating memes and uh, <laughs> putting them on our, our social media and trolling other Oilers fans.
0: Oh, good for you. I, I yeah. have noticed the memes. I didn't Under know you your tro- name. I, I didn't know you were trolling people. <laughs> I'm fine with you trolling people, to be fair. <laughs> some some lady, it was like, I, I called her
1: like a, a tier two fan. <laughs> and she started ripping back on me and then she posted, didn't even po- attach me in her tweet, but she's like, apparently I'm a, uh, I'm a second tier fan because I'm not licking the boots of the, uh, the Edmonton Oilers <laughs> management. And it's
0: like, yes.
1: Yes, you are. Keep, mm. keep, keep feeling that
0: way. <laughs> well, I, I guess we'll find out if I'm a second tier fan then.
1: Well, no, you're a season ticket holder. So you're allowed to say whatever you want.
0: So. Oh, okay. Well, don't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> prepare for some horrible stuff. As Would, per Kevin Lowe. <laughs> as per Kevin Lowe, yeah. Would it shock you to actually find out that Duncan Keith was in the all-star game as often as he won the Stanley Cup? Only three times? I'm not saying no, that's... That's not that's, right. That's what I'm looking at right now. Actually, it's kind of wild. Yeah. (laughs) Three-time (laughs) All-Star. I don't know. Anyways. so Is that a first-team All-Star? I don't know. It just says three-time All-Star. I would say that's a
1: first-team All-Star. He's probably been in the All-Star game more than just three times.
0: All right. I'm going to trust that you're right on that. Um, Okay. So... I think, based upon the last podcast, when we diverted from the conversation with Bo for a few minutes in regards to the Duncan Keith news, um, it wasn't even news. Then. It wasn't were even just news. Starting
1: yet. to talk about if this is a good sign of things to come for the Oilers or not.
0: And I think, I, I think, judging by the re- initial reaction, it's safe to say that you and I don't share the same opinion on how this is going to unfold. I will, I will, What's your opinion then. I will prefix this with, we don't know what the hell is going to happen. I said, uh, the, shit, Sherlock. the crystal ball I'm holding is a fine glass of Eagle rare bourbon. Uh, I do. Uh, it is a good, uh good bourbon for after a slice of uh, blueberry pie. I do recommend it, Ooh. but I, but truth be told, I don't know what the hell is going to happen here. Um, and I will say that when it comes to some of the stuff I've read in the last couple of days, uh, more specifically along the lines of apparently the Islanders are shipping, are shopping uh Nick Letty, Uh, obviously a defenseman that could have could pretty much help any team. Uh, We talked about, you mentioned Sutter getting bought out is would he have been an option for the Oilers? but this is all, this is all hindsight because it happened after the fact. But I will say that uh, my initial reaction is I am weary of a 38 year old defenseman with two more years on his contract. And, it's pretty much just for those reasons that I'm just like, listen, who's to say what this guy is going to look like in a year's time? Father time is undefeated. I mentioned Tom Brady in the opening here, and he seems to be winning that battle. But who's to say what we're going to see out of Duncan Keith in the next two, two seasons? So I am weary of that. I'm also – I'm probably fairly disappointed that the full cap hit was absorbed by the Oilers. I know that they came in with a more cap room than they have they've had in the previous – I don't know, probably five seasons actually – but 5.5 per year is a big chunk of that cap room just gone all of a sudden. So when you look at that 5.5 million, Clef Bomb's not coming back. It does appear that, that that news came out after the Duncan Keith trade. That It does appear that Clef won't be playing this year. So yeah, you're right. That does add to the cap room.
1: So Clef so Bomb's not coming back. We get rid of a dog shit defenseman like uh, Jones. I was going to call him Seth, but...
0: Whatever his name is, I think Caleb Jones is a Caleb Latin. Jones. I think he's a serviceable last pairing guy. He's not going to turn into a Duncan Keith career, of course. But he's, he's a, a
1: tenth he's, defenseman.
0: I think he's better than that. But <laughs> yeah. and I, I think Chicago tried to get him just so they can lure his brother over to Chicago as well at some point. But
1: do you think that would be enough to lure a, a player over? Hey, your your brother, your baby brother's here. You want to come play with your? It's it's not like it's Henrik and and Daniel coming to no. the
0: table. But it is a, it's a change to a better, let's face it, Chicago is going to be a better city than uh, Columbus. Uh, They probably will have some more uh, pieces of the rebuild in place by the time he's available next year or whatever, or if he gets traded early, but we'll wait and see. It's probably a, it's probably a buying chip, so.
1: So back to Duncan. So everybody's freaking out like Ken Hollins. Like there was... The reason I was trolling people on Twitter is because they've lost their damn fucking minds in regards to this trade. At the end of the day, you look at it now on Thursday. It happened on Monday. Clef not coming back. Jones is gone. That cap room is just being absorbed now, basically as a wash with with Duncan Keith. He's going to be our second pairing left wing uh, left left side defenseman at 37, 38 years old playing lesson minutes at the fitness level that he comes in at, which he's done throughout his career uh, for, I'm taking it from what the pundits say that he is a, uh, a beast. He, he's beast mode in regards to fitness and work ethic and leadership. And he's motivated to obviously, you know, be a winner. So, um, with those intangibles that he brings to the table, the hardware, um, the mindset, um, I see those those items paying off for the Edmonton Oilers but the reason I'm fired up is that there was a there was people saying fire Holland. Like there the Edmonton Oilers fan base there's 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 good fans and then there's loser fans. And the loser fans that were calling for Ken Holland's head this week because he made a trade to try to better the team. In my opinion as I'm a fan and I'm a hardcore fan I'm not licking the heels of the Edmonton Oilers management team, but I'm giving Ken Holland, who's a hall of fame builder in regards to the sport of hockey, building championship hockey teams, managing championship hockey teams. He's developed a playbook of a winning recipe and he's went into his playbook. He did this similar move when he was with Detroit, when he brought in a near 40 year old Chris Chelios. Now, I was having this thought the other day and then like, okay, Chelios legend of the game played nearly till he was 50. Gordie, Howe, legend of the game played into his fifties. What's to say Duncan Keith doesn't have a similar type career. You just move throughout the lineup, but I I get it. Five and a half million dollars. People lose their minds because they think we're going to lose players because we're not losing any players in the, in, in, in future signings because of this deal. It's a wash. We don't have cleft bomb. It's a wash. It's done. So get off that 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 train of thought of the money. I truly believe in my heart of hearts and my crystal ball that I believe that this signing is going to help push us towards winning playoff series. Maybe not a cup, but maybe a cup if you bring in this type of leadership these these the team last year when we lost to winnipeg in this playoff this last playoff round they did not have a killer instinct they looked like a team that didn't know how to win games um in the playoffs they obviously didn't win a game because they were they were they were shut out but they also played the d- d- chicago in the playoff round the year before and looked somewhat similar you got to bring in people to help these these young guys you know, figure out how to win. You just don't figure it out. Somebody's got to help, you know, show them how to fish, essentially. And I think bringing in a guy like Duncan Keith, and you saw it in in the playoffs, you have, you know, with Montreal, Corey Perry, that dirty sucker of a player, Corey Perry, he helped Montreal get through those playoffs playoff series to get to the Stanley Cup final. They played cheap, hard hockey. And I'm not saying Duncan Keith is cheap, but he knows how to win, and that's it. This and you can't liken this to Milan Lucic. You can't link like this to Andrew Ference. This is a pedigree that is Hall of Fame worthy. This is this is Duncan Keith. He's now up there in the echelon of some of the greatest defensemen that ever played the game. Again, he's thirty seven, turning thirty eight. You know he he's leaving. He's not. Chicago didn't want him to go. He's leaving the, the Chicago Blackhawks because for personal reasons because he, he wants to be a good person. He wants to be around his son. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a good thing. He's a good person, obviously. He wants to be a, a father and a, and a role model for his son and be in his life. So, at the end of the day, this is a fantastic move for the Edmonton Oilers. You bring in that type of leadership into the room to help Connor and Leon and Darnell, you know, move the needle... Couldn't be any better.
0: Okay, you done with yeah. your soliloquy? Yeah, and here comes the uh, the analytics. I can see it in your no. fucking face. Actually, I'm not bringing any analytics to my next. Oh, yeah. yes. Okay, I will say uh, I am not one of those people that thinks Ken Holland should lose his job over this trade. That that is ridiculous. You're 100 percent right. He's a GM making a move that he thinks will benefit the team. That's Time a
1: loser's attitude, Jeff. That's a loser's attitude just to shit on somebody because
0: they made a decision. Yeah, uh, I, I'm a big believer in default aggression, and that's what Ken Allen did in this. He was, he was aggressive in his move, and we'll see if it pays off. Uh, nobody should lose their job before we find out if there's a payoff to this or not. To a few of the points you brought out, um, you compared him to Chelios, and I agree with you to a certain extent that Duncan Keith isn't comparable to other players, and I, for that reason, I also don't believe he's comparable to Chelios. Uh, The NHL was a different game when Chelios was 37, 38. And I believe, and I don't know if Ken Holland's going with this, but it seems to be a gambler's fallacy to believe that because you want it to happen, the same thing will happen in regards to the success that he brought to the team. Because let's face it, those are two different individuals. They're going to approach their next year very differently from what they did. Um, My concern necessarily won't necessarily be just because of the money of this year, but it will be the money of the next year. I do know that Chris Russell's contract's going to come off. That guy's not getting re-signed, but let's face it, Darnell Nurse is going to get paid. Um, we'll have to see what Adam Larson shakes out at, but we are going to, it's not just a one-year change on the cap. It is going to be a multi-year change on the cap in regards to how this is going. And it's easy to say like, who five and a half seems, five and a half for a guy who, let's say, ups all of his analytics stats, uh, puts up, 40 points and you know mentors the guys man maybe that's worth the money Uh, you don't know until we we see how it would happen so and that's one of the thing other things too i do know that according to you know once again the pundits which you read in the articles that it was a big thing asked of Connor mcdavid and dry Seidel and the other young leaders on this team that they wanted some more experience and leadership on the back end and you know it ken holland's gone and uh, obliged them Um, But I will say, like, have we seen Duncan Keith in a mentor role? Has he done that? Because I know one of the things that people have pointed out is that his teammates or his defensive partners in Chicago since Seabrook went down have been predominantly younger guys. And they use that as a reason to say, well, look, that's why all of his numbers are down. That's why everything. But have those guys benefited from playing with Keith? Because I haven't heard that yet. So that's one of the things I have in regards to is he actually going to mentor anybody? Is he actually going to make anybody better? Because I don't I don't Um, kind of you you brought up that Duncan Keith's a good guy. We actually don't know anything about Duncan Keith. You know, what? I'm assuming he's a good guy. I'm assuming. I hope so. I
1: also as long as he's a winner. And he helps push this team. I don't care if he's a, he kicks baby seals in the stomach when he walks by one in a Marine. I don't care. I want him to make this team better. And I want to win playoff series. Make it happen. That's all I care. I don't know why I went with a baby seal uh, metaphor. But uh, I don't care. I just want this team to win. And, you know, you make a good point we don't know, we're not hearing the story from the Chicago side. If he was able to help mentor um, some of his, uh, his other defensive partners, things like that. Um, I guess you could throw another uh, wrinkle into the, the, the story. They had shitty goaltending, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just not one player. It's not one, you know, when you have shitty goaltending on a shitty team, um, you know, that, uh, that affects things. uh, IE Ty Conklin, um, was it Mike Henderson? Was was he one of them? Who's that guy from Boston? I don't know. We had shitty goaltenders. <laughs> um.
0: Anyways, I don't know. I I would say that I think that's kind of the thing. There's I, in regards to it being worth the risk, as I said I'm I'm not necessarily saying if I'm Ken Holland I'm not doing the deal. I'm just saying that along the way you have to hedge your risk, and I do believe in the structure of this deal. The Oilers did not hedge the risk that Duncan Keith isn't going to be the guy who can play well in two years time and potentially isn't the guy that they want in the locker room who is going to you know, be a true leader to these young players and bring them up. We we assume that based on his success on in the NHL at the Olympic level, that therefore he must be good at that type of stuff, but there's no evidence to that or there may not be any evidence to that. And that's where I get a little bit concerned with this type of stuff. Now, You'd alluded to the numbers are probably declining due to, you know, uh, goaltending. Let's say it, Chicago has been in a rough spot for about three or four year period here. And I can't remember if I'd said it in a conversation with you or if I said it on the last podcast. I, I think I said that his numbers have been declining for eight years. Now, that was wrong. It, it, they have not been declining for eight years, but they have been on a steady decline for the last four. And but But,
1: and we've had this conversation on this podcast before, it's hard to take the last two seasons – and really wrap your head around the analytics piece. And you,
0: you told me I was full of crap for saying the last two seasons were unique. You well,
1: jackass. I'm, <laughs> I'm talking out the other side of my mouth. Now
0: you're a so. lying sack. I don't have <laughs> jeez Louise. <laughs> I can't believe you 180 that on me. Fuck's sake. Anyways, <laughs> my point. <sighs> I was going to say that the four year decline on numbers Yes, Chicago is not the team it once was. Yes, he was probably playing more minutes than he should have been in Chicago. And yes, these are unique seasons for the last two years. However, I will chalk up some of it to the fact that he is a 38-year-old defenseman who is naturally declining. And that's not Duncan Keith's fault. That's just what happens with NHL defensemen. I'll use Kane Holland's
1: line. He's 30, he, He's 38, not 50.
0: Yeah, but there's no 50 year old defenseman in the NHL.
1: Hey, like at the end of the day, when you take an elite player and you give him less minutes, I see that as a huge opportunity to help him extend his career. You know, he's not going to be playing against the other team's top players. He's not going to be. Yeah. He's not going to be on the power play. You know, Bouchard and, and 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 whoever, is it going to be Nurse or whatever? They're going to be getting top power play minutes. bouch bombs all the way. Um, but
0: <laughs> as long as he does not push Tyson Berry out of the way.
1: <laughs> Who knows? They might have to sign Tyson Berry because by the looks of it, it looks like Larson's going to free agency.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I don't, I don't, I like the way Adam Larson played last year. He had a he had a rough year leading up to that, and I think probably actually a couple rough seasons leading up to last year's success. But I do hope that that's who we see more, and I hope I hope they get a deal for him. But yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Of course.
1: Yeah, I was I, listening to Brian Lawton today. He was on uh, Stauffer show, and uh, he basically was saying like, when you see this type of act, you know, when a player is not jumping on a deal or he's waiting to see. Um, that's a bad sign that he might be going to market, right? And, um, it sounds like the Oilers have offered him a fair, fair deal. Um, it sounds like he wants more term. Uh, but I don't know. We'll, we'll wait and see. He's a big piece, uh, in my opinion, to this hockey team, um, as a shot, shut, a shutdown, um, right, right pairing defenseman, right? So, um, I don't, I'm, that, that concerns me for the makeup of that defense because then we're like stuck with bear, um, you know and, and a few others it'll know, be so
0: it'll be interesting and this is maybe the conspiracy theory in myself but because of the duncan keith move now you have to protect him for against seattle maybe there's a handshake deal with larson saying like hey listen obviously we can't sign you and protect all of you so we'll we'll slide you an extra 100k if you just wait till after the seattle draft and we'll load you up
1: the old nudge nudge wink wink
0: yeah, like the, the you can't tell me there's not t- players that have already. It's it's like it's like on traditionally Canada Day when free agency opens up, and it's just like at whatever eleven a.m. or whenever it opens, there's like forty deals announced immediately. Oh yeah, they didn't talk beforehand. It's ridiculous. So I'm sure they've had some sort of communication saying like, hey, listen, if you wait this out a few more minutes. Uh, we don't want to protect you because it's we're going to try to protect as many players as we can we don't know what's going to happen with this and we're making this move with Duncan Keith. Now we have because of the move and the loss of, you know, the draft pick of Caleb Jones, we have to protect him naturally. So we're going to we're just going to offer you the deal after the fact. So we'll wait and see.
1: You know what, back to Keith. I'm really excited to kind of see how this season turns out because, you know, as we kind of progress through this pod, um and and cover a few topics there's a lot of cool things that could happen to this team over the next two weeks really you know we're going to expansion draft we're going to free agency we're going potential trades um you know the the framework of this team is about to change uh, because of the cap space cap space that's been developed over the last number of years so this is the time this is holland's time to shine and he's made a big uh Uh, He took a big swing at the fences here to try to bring in some experience. Now it's, you know, trying to bring in some, you know, uh, some, some goal scoring and some um, key players to play in our top six. Right. So, um, and there's the ever uh, existing, you know, long-term battle that we have in this, in this city is that we don't have a true um, number one goalie and Koskinen's not the guy. And Mike Smith will only be the guy for so much longer because obviously he's 39 years old. So um yeah.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a risk as well. I as as I think I said to you, I think they're gonna end up protecting Skinner. Uh I don't know if they believe he is the goaltender of the future, but I could see that you know they might be just biding their time until he looks good enough to come up. But, you know, I don't think his numbers are over the top great. I don't think they're I don't think they're at the point where you have to be concerned about it. I guess the thing uh, I guess the thing is, and once again, I kind of alluded to earlier, there's hindsight's 2020 and we don't really even know what's going to happen. We're, we're days into this. The camp's nowhere near on the on the calendar yet. But obviously, as things have evolved in the NHL, we've had additional players come of uh, come available. And you had said it to yourself that you don't believe that su- uh, suitor is an answer to anything. But like I was thinking of guys like Nick Letty. I was thinking of Alec Martinez, who is a two-cup winner and is probably going to become available here. And even without the cup wins, I think of uh, when Chris Pronger first came here before and he solidified that defense immensely. Quite, quite, quite frankly, he was the team at that point. And not really a quote-unquote winner leading up to that and then goes on a run where he goes to the Stanley Cup final three years in a row – And it's just like, does it need, does it need to be an individual who has that history, but is on the verge of creating that history?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting topic, right? Like, I don't know, it's, it depends what you deem as a winning formula, right? Like, do they have to be the best person? Probably not. Will they be willing to put their head through a wall and win a Stanley Cup, you know, or put somebody else's head through, you know, the boards to win a Stanley Cup? You know, that killer instinct, right? We always talk about, you know, you know, are you willing to, you know, do anything possible to try to win a Stanley Cup, right? Guys were breaking each other's ankles, you know, cross-checking each other, taking swings, you know, playing dirty. Um, you know, do you have what it takes to kind of step over the line and and try to win in the playoffs? The playoffs is a different game completely than the regular season. We have the best scoring players in the league, but when they get shut down, the game changes, and that's kind of are we going to make some you know some changes as a team for a little more grit, a little bit more you know um, you know get your nose dirty type hockey because you got to play differently in the playoffs. So you know I'm hoping that Keith brings that dynamic and helps show the uh, the oiler existing oiler players that hey you need to take another step here and play a little differently to ensure that you can make your runs and uh, you know, with Connor and Leon, you know, we're only talking about four and five more years on their existing deals. You know, as, as I see it, we got to get some wins in here. We got to get some playoff series wins if we're going to keep them uh, in Oilers silks for the remainder of their careers. So, uh.
0: well, and that, and that was another thing that I, I was thinking of as well is that, so let's look at last year's playoff uh, sweep and at the end of the day, I don't think a lot of people are going to point out that the Oilers defense or Mike Smith were, was the issue in regards to winning those games against the Jets. Uh, obviously, there was the collapse in game, game three, which, you know, you could point at a lot of players for that type of stuff. And I would more point at coaching decisions than the players themselves for it. But I would say that it wasn't the defense. It wasn't guys like Darnell nurse who were on the verge of playing like a fucking 60 minute game in a night's time that were causing the issues. It was, it was the lack of that determination maybe on the front end and maybe, maybe the five and a half million would have been better served, not on a defenseman of key silk, but perhaps a a Brendan sod or somebody of that who is a little bit more mean, maybe plays like a Claude Lemieux style playoff run and, does those type of things and helps the offensive players as opposed to the defensive players.
1: Well, the nice thing is Clef again is on LTIR. They fill its cap space up with Duncan Keith, and guess what? They got lots of money still to go out and and find those types of players. I, I, I don't know about Zach Hyman. I'm not big on him, but uh, there are players out of uh, Tampa Bay. They got to, they got to relieve some, uh, <laughs>
0: They got some pressure. Yeah, they got
1: some pressure, some cap yeah, some pressure, <laughs> some cat pressure that they got to relieve. So um, definitely some opportunities to do some things there. So, um, man, did they party? They broke the cup. They dented the cup. <laughs> it's happened before. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's just never that visible, right? Somebody got a good picture of that thing. The the, the big bowl dented like, oh, definitely yeah. like somebody like landed on it and like fell on it.
0: I got to imagine, like, when you're in that euphoric state and you've probably been boozing it up for about 48 hours straight, that any number of things could have happened that thing. I know there was – the one thing I did notice, and, like, I know you're way more involved in social media than I am, but I did notice there was that uptake of that this seems to be a disgrace that the cup got dented up. And I was like, that cup has been oh. to hell and back. It, that's – it. And like, to, it's pretty naive to believe that that thing hasn't had to be repaired or one deep cleaned after what's taken place on that thing. So,
1: something tells me if that Stanley Cup could talk and tell stories like the
0: <laughs> Stanley Cup after dark, we're gonna oh. tell the stories of what truly happened with this thing. It, it, would, it would rip out its own eyes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> the
1: strippers, the drugs, the. Oh. I'm sure somebody's taking a deuce in the
0: bowl, right? Like, oh, I'm I'm sure. Like, when they must when they transition that thing from player to player throughout the summer, they must have to just steam clean the high holy hell out of that thing. But, you know, I (laughs) I love I love though that it does seem that the the after after the cup win celebrations are seem to be taking up a higher standard of party since Ovechkin won it, and I do appreciate that like ovechkin goes on his tirade for a while tampa's now done three uh boat parades including the buccaneers in their city and just it looks like everyone's having a phenomenal time i love that shit i think it does need to get to that level where it is like it's not just a parade these guys are wrecked and they need to, Kucherov, they need to enjoy it. oh went f-
1: full of ovechkin
0: oh yeah and I, I love his comments about Mon- the Montreal fans after they after they won. I love I love that crap. It's I'm gr- great for him to say. Oh, it's like they won this. They they didn't even they won their last. That last series was their Stanley Cup. They're a joke. Who cares? I love that Kucherov just burned them for that.
1: Oh, it it was awesome. You know, the more players that show that kind of like the heel personality, right? Like he was being the heel. He was loving every moment of it and. You know what? You kind of earn the right to, you know, enjoy the moment. You just want to battle with like other men and like you know, blood, sweat, and tears. Man, freaking uh, the one guy broke his fibia and was like got surgery and then tried to come back and like and and play. Right? Like it, it's crazy. Like they they. Oh man, yeah, the greatest sport on earth. <laughs> I love it. I love it.
0: No, it was a, uh, it was, it was a well-won cup and it was a good celebration by the, by the lightning. I think, Um, as I said, I like the heel idea. I like that guys. um, Let's face it. That's why we like boxing. That's why we like people like UFC. I, everyone like Dennis Rodman because he was the heel. It is, somebody needs to fill that role. It all can't, it all can't be Jonathan Taze coming forward and being the most woke NHL player on the planet, which is also good. I'm glad that somebody like him comes forward and expresses his feelings on social issues. However, I like old school villainy and the guys need to step up and do that crap. So.
1: Oh, it's like when uh dry sidle, I was at that game when uh, the, they had the uh, post game interview. You might've been there
0: too, but what he's like, uh, you oh, the-
1: man, you guys are fucking phenomenal. It's just like,
0: yeah, <laughs> no, that's what I That's what I like about dry more than I like, say of a McDavid. McDavid's so reserved and a lot of play. And I don't blame him. He's not wrecking his, his uh, brand for anything but dry solo just does not seem to care what he has to say for people. So it's perfect.
1: No, <laughs> oh, he's, he's awesome. I think if, uh, Pugliarvi had a better, uh, ha- handle on the English language, he'd probably be in a similar elk, but, uh, he's, uh, he's just working on the basics right now of like, good, good play. Good play. <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: he, he, he shouldn't reach too far on that. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> show girls, show girls. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, I guess at the end of the day, we'll we'll see what this has to well what Duncan Keith's gonna offer up the Oilers. Time will tell. As I said, at this point in time, if anyone says they know what's gonna happen, they're lying. They're fucking oh, so
1: and to the losers fire the, trying to go on the fire holland train. It's like that's gotta be clickbait. That's gotta be clickbait. If you're coming up with some bullshit about fire Holland, man, like the guy has done a pretty good job to to this to this time. Chirelli left him a Pile of dog shit. A flaming pile of dog shit. Like oh, yeah. it was a tire fire. This team was in bad shape. You know, like it was bad.
0: But I think that's why you shouldn't nobody should pay attention to these comments online. And I I understand the absurdity of me saying this while we host a podcast and give our thoughts on everything left, right, and center. But it is it is ridiculous. Like, yeah, people are just throwing out opinions because they want the engagement. They want to say something absurd. It's like the it's like every JA that comments under a Sportsnet article uh, trashing the Oilers and calling Holland an idiot or the Flames or vice versa or the Leafs. It's just like you're just waiting for a response. Nobody cares what you have to say. So as I said, yeah, I, under- I understand the irony. I understand the irony heavily. <laughs> so-
1: I'm just calling it out now. I'm like, this is clickbait. You're just trying to get likes. You're trying to get people engaged and, you know, into stupid debate some guy was like uh, the worst things ever happened to this team is Cates Cates has ruined this team I'm like no he hasn't Cates freaking has saved this team built a beautiful arena on our taxpayer money which he negotiated a beautiful deal like I commend the guy for you know <laughs> playing hardball he played hardball negotiated hard and won now I'm paying for it good times I'm not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a St. Albert.
0: I, motherfucker. I, oh, I pay I I the taxes part of the tickets though. So Yeah, I, exactly. I gotta, I gotta you buy a that. ticket? You, you are pay paying you're paying for yeah. Kates. I yeah, that's another absurd take. It's just like Kate Kates has done really nothing wrong. I, I okay. Well, I would say that he does need to alleviate himself of the old boys' club and stop holding on to the past here. You know, those are for banners in the arena, but uh but no, uh the Ken Holland move is good. I and obviously I think so. He's cleaned up a bad cap situation. Shirelli left a big of a mess. I I think I said to you last week, though, it's like when Shrettly took them to one game outside of the uh, Western Western final, I saw that guy having dinner with his wife and daughter and I was prepared to pay for their meal, even though he makes infinitely more money than I do. But I was like, holy crap, this guy, this guy got us that far. And that fell apart immediately after that.
1: And the next year we didn't make the playoffs. Uh Oh,
0: yeah. And then (laughs) and then another terrible run started again. So, oh, well. So to
1: change the topic, mm. we've got a few more topics to cover before we we shut her down for the evening because we obviously have touched on the uh, the big topic in Edmonton today, uh, Duncan Keith. But uh, I got to ask you, what are your thoughts on the expansion draft and who do you think we're going to lose?
0: Oh, I'm completely ill-prepared for this. <laughs> um, oh. You know what? I I I honestly, I thought Caleb Jones could have been a target for that um i think uh, once again i'm going on what i've read i think seattle is going to try to not go to all the way to the cap during this draft i think they want to leave themselves some wiggle room and see how far they get um i really who, who you who do you think they're gonna lose because i'm i'm actually ill prepared for this so
1: well there's rumors that they might not protect cassian right so you know, you throw Cassian out there. We talked about Chris Russell um, and Tyler Benson. I'm okay losing Ty- Tyler Benson. I don't think he'll ever be an Oiler. Uh, I don't think he is going to be uh, part of this uh, this championship team that they're they're trying to build. I don't think he's got the pedigree. So um, I think they're going to uh, uh, not protect Benson. Maybe lose him, Cassian or uh, Russell. So those are the three players that
0: I think are going to be on the
1: on the take potentially.
0: I just had a good thought, Yamamoto. I don't know. Hello, Moto. Yeah, but like he's a Spokane boy. Bring him mm-hmm. close to home. I don't know if the Oilers are are huge on protecting him after the season he just had. I, I wouldn't don't truly want to lose him, but quite frankly, once again, if you're going for a low risk, low reward, I agree with what you're saying. I think Cass is probably not a huge target considering what kind of seasons he's had uh, over the last couple of years. And quite frankly, if they lost that contract, as much as I like Zach Cassian, I wouldn't mind it too much. But uh, we'll see if they protect Puliyarvi and Yamamoto because I could see either one of those guys kind of going, or even they're they're protecting Puliyarvi for sure. But you don't need to because he's not like. Do you? Do you? Okay, switching gears again. Do you think? Do you think he's a top six on this team going forward after his contract expires?
1: Oh, Piliarvi! I do. Yeah. I think he mm. took a huge step this year. I think he's part of the uh, the equation. I think he he did enough this year to show me that he could play with uh, Connor McDavid. It's just they need that other guy. They need that guy, that shooter man. When I heard Tarasenko's name, then I'm like, oh man, that'd be so good. But then I'm like, oh wait, he uh, he could be the next uh, Oscar Clef bomb.
0: Yeah, his injury history is worrisome, but I will. Yeah, Terrence, I did get a little bit excited when I heard Terrence on the trading block, but yeah, his his injury history is a little little concerning.
1: It's such a cool se- like off season. I don't think I've been this excited for an off season than the summer I got Twitter and Danny Heatley was potentially coming uh, when they were. They were doing the big DVD uh, uh, production and uh, trying to sway the big free agent of the day, Danny Heatley. And thank God we didn't get him because he sucked. But uh, I don't know. I'm excited. Like there's all the rumors that Taylor Hall, there's the Zach Hyman, you know Blake Coleman, these types of players. Like, do the Oilers go after these types of types of guys? Do we want to see the the guy that people thought was a cancer in the room, Taylor Hall? You know, do we want to see that guy back here? I kind of do. I think he's matured. Um, I'd like to see him kind of come back. And uh, I, sports is—it's it, sports is drama too, right? Like it's a soap opera, you know. And to see the the guy who didn't want to leave come back and uh, you know win a cup, I'd love that storyline. I'd love to see Taylor Hall come back to Edmonton and and hoist a cup. Um, like I said, I, I've looked into Zach Hyman. I'm not really sold on why, you know, everybody thinks he's the, the big free agent of the day, but maybe he's the guy. I don't know. You tell me.
0: I don't know. Uh, I, I I agree. I'm not huge on Zach Hyman, but I don't think Taylor Hall is coming back here. I just, I think it seems to be one of those things that, you say, how many players had that story where they came back to the team that drafted them and then won a cup? It, it seems to be few and far between. And I, I would probably say Taylor Hall is going to have at least a few options. Hopefully, better than Buffalo <laughs> again, because I, I did feel bad for that kid to a certain extent. But I don't think he's—I don't think he's coming back to Edmonton. But I, they'll probably throw an offer his way to see if he entertains it. I'd be interested.
1: Maybe. Just for the just for the storyline. But even and then he would oh, sorry. Then he disappoint me.
0: Well, I was going to say like once again, it's just like like this Duncan Keith conversation, we don't truly know what we would get out of Taylor Hall in a second a second rebirth in Edmonton. It, He very well might be the greatest guy in the lineup, might be the best guy in the locker room. We have no idea. Oh, man. so Can't said, wait. So you said you had another topic.
1: Well, the topics of the day obviously were, you know, Duncan Keith, the expansion draft. Uh, I wanted to uh, dive into, like, obviously free agency a little bit, which we touched on here, there. But um, I was kind of... Uh, we never really got a chance to talk about it the, the other day when we met for coffee. And, uh, but I really wanted to see how, uh, you handled the, uh, the European championship loss. Hmm. Um, that, uh, that's a heartbreaker, especially for a, a supporter of, uh, of England. That's a, that's a tough one to go to penalties on.
0: Well, you, you, that is the last topic I jotted down for tonight's, uh, conversation. And I do have, um, I have thoughts in regards to team management and it kind of ties in a little bit here. Um, Obviously, disappointing result. Um, I will say, uh, and I mentioned Italy gets all the credit in the world for it. Uh, I would say England controlled half of the first half and none of the second half, and probably five to seven minutes of the extra half hour that was tacked on before they went to penalties. They were, quite le- quite frankly, probably like- lucky to get to penalties at that point in time. Um, the biggest issue I have going forward, I had two thoughts in regards to my complaints about how the game was managed was Gareth Southgate is notoriously conservative when it comes to his game plan and who he puts on the field. Um he he holds back players that uh, like a Jack Grealish who controls the ball, who gets into the box, charges at defenders. You know, it's not necessarily a high risk, high reward situation. He does cause a lot of penalties and he gets tackled a lot. So guys like him are valuable to the team. But Southgate is just notoriously conservative and very much like a Jose Marino After they score that first goal, he's happy to park the bus and just sit there and try to defend the net as much as he can, which is what looked like England's game plan in the second half. I have no idea why teams think this works, which brings me to the point about what I'd said about Holland. There is a thing about winning where you have to be default aggressive. You have to continue pushing the tempo. You have to keep pushing your team and whether that be... The configuration of your roster, how you handle your off seasons, how you handle your selection process, or your in-game management—you have to be aggressive constantly. And Gareth Southgate, it might be his as biggest as downfall, and why England doesn't get over the hump when it comes to that. The other thing I had a problem with is not necessarily the penalties per se, because as a soccer fan, you've got used, you get, you have to get used to the fact that penalties will play a factor in championship games. It's annoying. I would prefer a better way, but you can't run these guys on the field for nine hours. It's not going to work out. Um, You line up your two. You 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 have your captain go first. You have your second captain go second. uh, The two Harrys. I was a little surprised that McGuire did take the second penalty shot. He's a defenseman, a defender. Both converted, which is great. The next three shooters for England are three of the younger players, three of the guys who have not rounded into form and played full time with the English squad. One of which uh, I think, uh, sorry, Rashford hadn't touched the ball until he placed it on the penalty shot, which is absurd. You cannot, you cannot have your two leaders go first, out of, one and two out of your top five, and then have your 19-year-old player who's playing on his first world stage go last to try to round out your tournament. That is setting him up for failure. And Gareth Southgate's a good example of this. Some guys don't bounce back from that memory. And he very well may have, may have done that. So those are my two complaints about it. So did you watch the game? I did not. (laughs) It's good for you.
1: (laughs) I was enjoying the sunny afternoon in Northern Alberta at the cabin. So uh, I was not partaking in English football and Italian football. Um, I will stop everything to watch Canadian soccer and obviously Canadian football uh, when it comes back here on August 5th with the Edmonton Elks. Elk charge. Woo!
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to the CFL season kicking off. Obviously, camp opening up is very exciting. Apparently, Trevor Harris is a superhero playing Captain America, for fuck's sake.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's ripped. That guy, uh, he spent some time uh, during COVID working on the on the muscles. The muscles.
0: I like I like how he's like, they're like, you look really good. He's like, oh, I've been training to be a personal trainer and now a nutritionist. I'm like... Yeah, hey, good for you, buddy. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, he looks yeah. phenomenal. You, you know, you're a Canadian Football League quarterback, right? It's like, oh yeah, but that's not going to last forever. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> gotta gotta do the work. Gotta and, put the work in. And uh, maybe detrimental to my 38 year old Duncan Keith argument. He is a 35 year old quarterback who looks pretty damn good. So if he plays well this season, it's probably shooting argue, shooting holes in my argument about father time. So
1: hey, man, nothing. You know what? Hey, look. We, 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 knock going back to Duncan Keith before we shut her down, <laughs> but going back to Duncan Keith, you kind of make an interesting point is that health and fitness is at a level in sports and sports entertainment that it's never been seen before. You know, like the players are stronger, they're faster, they're more, you know, in tune with their nutrition and their, and their development. And you're a personal trainer, you're certified, um, you know, if anybody knows this you do right so these players are you know they've got all the tools in their arsenal to keep their bodies in tip-top shape right so um you know trevor trevor harris man a guy he he transformed himself you know at 35
0: yeah he looks awesome
1: duncan keith looks pretty you know pretty thick for a 38 39 year old guy right like he's uh uh, and he's a fitness guy too right they everybody who talks about him is he's a he's a beast so um the only thing that that catches up to these guys and um you know somebody in his 40s uh understands is that injuries come right around the corner you could be lying in bed one day and your back gets thrown out because the the new the new bed is too hard so um <laughs> Those are the things that hit you. You pick up the kid and uh, your back gets thrown out or uh, they kick you in the shin and, uh, or like I did with my dad, you get in a wrestling match and you break his rib. So um, yeah. good times.
0: I am dealing with a, with a stiff neck today. So I do, I do feel you on the <laughs> weird injuries pop up because your age, but, but no, and you're hundred percent right. Gone are the days where guys showed up to camp to get in shape. These guys are professional athletes, 24, seven, effectively. And, You know, I think a lot of people misinterpret that into, in regards to like, oh, that means they're just getting jacked up in the weight room and everything like that. No, these, these guys, their knowledge base is so vast now when it comes to nutrition, uh, recovery, uh, there is, there is a nonstop plethora of information that is constantly evolving in regards to how you can be in tip top shape for 50 year 50 weeks of the year. And as a result, the guy's recovery time in the offseason isn't nearly as much either. So they're able to focus on their skill development. So no, you're right. A 38-year-old Duncan Keith is probably was probably better than a 32-year-old Mark Messier to a certain extent in regards to where he's going to be a health standard. And once again, I don't know this, I don't know this for sure. I'm going on what I hear from the pundits. The guy's VO2 Max is probably one of the highest in the league still in regards to how he trains. And let's face it, if he can get on that horse and ride. He's going to be able to keep playing.
1: We'll get on that horse and ride and not be expected to play, you know, uh, first pairing minutes. Yeah, 23,
0: yeah. 24 minutes a night. Geez.
1: Or Darnell 60 minutes and, you know, triple overtime. Like, that's ridiculous. That, oh, th- Darnell's a beast. I love Darnellers.
0: Oh, those two are going to have to have an arm wrestling match. They're going to have to have a competition on fitness for sure. Darnell's a monster. I love Darnell. Oh, man. See, look at how I saw the smile on your face. I'm like, you're so excited. I am looking forward to it. As I said, like my my focus is more on the CFL season kicking off, even though I haven't really invested a ton of time into it. But obviously with the big news that came out this week and the NHL is about to launch into a busy two or three week period. Obviously, we have to talk about this. And it's exciting. Ob- it is exciting.
1: Ob- obviously, those Canadian lads bringing you solid podcasts during the dog days of summer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yes, we are. All right, so that all being said, Brad, you want to leave us with any parting thoughts?
1: My parting thoughts are this. We're going to have more hockey talk coming up on those Canadian lads. Obviously, the, 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 the look of the Edmonton Oilers hockey club is going to change. Hopefully, Uncle Ken, you know, brings in some key pieces for uh, young Connor and young Leon and old man Keith. And uh, we see this team take that next step that next step to a championship run oh man we these guys need a cup with the talent level of uh, dar our darnell uh connor leon um there's there's no reason why uh uncle ken can't put uh, the key pieces around them to uh to try to take it to that next level um they're in the right division you know in the pacific um, they're going to be one, two right there with Vegas. I see it. Um, you know, they're going to eat, uh, uh, Seattle's lunch for breakfast, you know, every day, every time they play them. Cause it's they're Seattle's not going to be the Vegas of, of, uh, expansion teams. You know, they're not going to the Stanley cup final in their first year. Um, I think the, the G, other GMs have, have, learned their lesson, uh, and California teams just haven't taken that next step yet. So, um, you know, there's, they used to be murderers row uh, in the Western conference. Now I think you got to get through teams like Colorado, um, uh, you know, Vegas, and, uh, you can throw, uh, Edmonton into that mix here pretty soon. Cause I think, you know, a team that's gone 11th and 12th over the last couple of years, um, is going to take another big step this year. And I am pumped. So with that, that's my last parting thought for hockey chirps with those Canadian lads, Jeff, what is your final parting thoughts tonight?
0: Well, I won't be as astute as you, but I will say that I do hope that, um, I do hope Duncan Keith fulfills his role, uh, his hoped role. And his destiny. And his destiny of claiming another cup with the Edmonton Oilers. I do hope that, uh, you know, he mentors those guys in the dressing room. I hope he is the key part that pushes the guys over the edge into the playoffs. I'm going to be a little bit more pessimistic because I tend to be with everything that we talk about. But I do think that, um, I think, I think we won't notice much of a drop off this year I think this year will be kind of be the year where we're like okay that was pretty exciting that was good I'm concerned about the second year more than anything even though I have read that apparently he wants to play beyond the the remaining two years of this deal which is interesting Um, but as I said my crystal ball is simply a half drank glass of bourbon I don't think I know anything any more than anyone else does and I'd be more than happy to see that it works out and I'll leave it with we got to go for that steak buddy yeah because I do owe you a steak. You, yeah. we gotta go hang out get a steak so. yeah
1: I'll buy you a steak
0: well, no you don't you you have to buy me a steak
1: oh I know I know I owe you a steak okay. I, I owe you,
0: should, you a steak dinner I think you should have to come pick me up too I think I need I a few pick. I think I need a few martinis with that steak
1: that is a deal I lost fair and square that being said
0: if the talks heat back up oh, then I'll rebuy you a steak yeah, I'm gonna cash there. in before that happens, and then I'll yeah. buy you another snake no, down the road.
1: Fair <laughs> is fair. I lost, Dwayne Johnson. You go to hell. Thank you for listening, everybody, and good night. Good night. Thanks again for listening to those Canadian Lads podcast. Give us a follow on social media. We're on the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you like what you heard, give us a follow and share it with your friends. Thanks again and have a great night.